Welcome to Bailoom Radio, a different kind of oldies program featuring oldies from the golden age of radio. Hello, my name is John Lovering and I'm pleased to be your host of this podcast. It pays to be ignorant. No, that's not something I'm declaring. Rather, that's the title of the show on this track. This half-hour comedy program, a spoof of serious panel programs such as Information Please, features a panel of supposedly dim-witted characters who were asked simple questions like, what do they study in law school? And what does a fisherman do for a job? The show's moderator and host was a former vaudeville comic by the name of Tom Howard, and at first the networks were totally reluctant to air the show because of the insulting title. But eventually, WOR, a station in New York City, and part of the Mutual Radio Network uh, took the chance. The program was a big success. And it was there for two years, then moved on to CBS. The panel of expert fools on the show were composed of three very different and colorful performers. There was Lulu McConnell. She was sort of a loudmouth comedian. You'll recognize her, I'm sure. George McNaughton, a dry, dim-witted-sounding Britishman. And then there was uh, George Shelton, a typical Brooklyn, New York comic, and happened to be Tom Howard's former comedy partner on the vaudeville. The program, which was the brainchild of Howard's daughter, Ruth, was written by Tom Howard and Ruth Howell. The show was directed by Herbert Polizzi, Al Madru and the Esquires, and then later on the Corncobbers, a Spike Jones-like unconventional orchestra, provided vocals and musical interludes during the show. The announcers were Ken Roberts, Bruce Elliott, and Richard Stack, and the sponsors included Peel's Beer and Philip Morris and Revelation Cigarettes. The show first aired on WOR in 1942, moved to CBS in 1944, then to NBC from 1950 to 51, when the show concluded its run. Nine years. Not bad for a show that was originally thought to be too insulting to produce. So here's an episode of It Pays to be Ignorant from August 30th, 1946, with a lead-off question being, What is a bargain sale? Now the second question was, What podcast are you listening to? And why, of course, it is Heirloom Radio, a different kind of oldies program. And I do thank you for listening. This program was recorded by the Armed Forces Radio Service. What is a bargain sale? A place where a woman ruins one dress to buy another. Correct. Pay that man eight Because they're playing for big stakes. Correct. Pay that man $9 because... It pays to be ignorant. As living proof to all you servicemen and women listening in over there that it does pay to be ignorant, here's another half hour with radio's biggest collection of zanies, the incomparable wits, George Shelton, Lulu McConnell, and Harry McNaughton, and the man who sticks his neck out every week at this time, our moderator, Tom Howard. Ladies and 
ladies and gentlemen. Well, here we are again, ready for another discussion with those disgusting experts in a quiz program entitled It Pays to Be Ignorant. Let me introduce our first expert, a celebrated author, Mr. Harry McNaughton, who has just written a book entitled How to Feed a Horse or Life with Fodder, Mr. Harry McNaughton. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. I have a poem, Mr. Hart. I see. I bought my girl some stockings at the local five and ten, and she gave them to her mother. That's the last I'll see of them. <laughs> Very clever, Mr. McNaught. I didn't even get a run for my money. All right, <laughs> Next, we have a woman who has so many wrinkles in her face, when she goes driving, her husband uses it for a road map. You've all, you've all heard of Gravel Gertie? Well, here is her sister, Cobblestone Carrie, Miss Lulu McConnell. You know, Mr. Howard, I'm tired tonight. You are? Yeah, I've been shopping all day. Yeah? I bought some stockings, too. Mm. But I gotta take them back in the morning. What's the matter? Don't they come up to your expectations? <laughs> they didn't come up to my knees. I see. <laughs> all right. Next, we have a man whose father was a sculptor, and he's been a chiseler ever since. <laughs> Madam, a man who can't wear a high hat because he has such a low brow... Mr. George Shelton. No, Miss Carter, I just got a letter from my girlfriend. She's I... still in the service. That's so. What did she say, Mr. Shelton? What did she say? Oh, nothing much. She said she didn't have anything to write it about because the things she's been doing, I wouldn't like. Oh, you wouldn't like, I see. I wonder what she's been doing that I wouldn't like. All right, <laughs> never mind. Take it over. Now, here's the first question. Let's pay attention, see if we can get an answer. Yes. The Chicago stockyards are in what famous city? Mr. Howard, my, my, my cousin was born in Chicago. Your cousin was born in Chicago yeah. before the fire? No, up in the bedroom. Up in the... <laughs> what Please. The Chicago stockyard is in what famous city? Mr. Howard, did you say sock or stock? I didn't say nothing at all about socks, oh. Mr. McNaughton. Hey, how do you like these socks I have on? Oh, please. Oh, I think, Mr. Shelton, they're very pretty, very pretty indeed. One is red and the other one is white. Yeah, and I got another pair home just like them. One red. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? <laughs> Look, the question is not about socks. I never wear socks. I just paint my legs. Well, the next time you paint them, sand them over first, will you? <laughs> Oh, my word. The question is, the Chicago stockyards are in what famous city? Did you hear the question, Mr. Shelton? Yeah, I just got wind of it. You just... <laughs> what city is famous for, the, for its meat? Meat? What's that? What's that? Look, don't you know what city is famous for its meat? Hamburg, Mr. Howard. Hamburg, Germany. No, no. <laughs> With onions. Never mind. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. The city was practically destroyed by fire at one time. Oh, it's too bad, Mr. Howard. How did it happen? Well, uh, Hal kicked over a lantern in a barn and started a fire. Oh, really? No, O'Leary. <laughs> did you say a cow kicked over a lantern? That's right. A cow kicked over a lantern. What are you looking at me for? <laughs> Let's get back to the question. Mr. Hart, did you say the city was burned? That's right. Now, what city is that? Uh, Rome, Mr. Hart, Rome. Fine. Rome, New York. Rome, New York. <laughs> That's right, the burning of Rome. It was Rome. How do you know? She carried the water buckets. <laughs> I did not. I was taking a violin lesson from Neil that night. Okay. Say, so, you know, my brother's house caught fire one day last week. Oh, my word. I'll bet they were burned up. Oh, will you cut out the punk? Cut out the puns. What famous city is the Chicago Stockyards located in? Well, Mr. Hart, tell me, is it an American city? Yes, it is. Uh, an what American... state is it in? What state? All right, I'll tell you. In the state of Illinois. Is it on the Chicago River? Right. 
Do they have a baseball team there called the Chicago Cubs? That's right. Is the Chicago Stockyards located there? That's right. Now what's the name of the city? Wheeling, West Virginia. Uh Please. Thank you, Harry Salter. Now here is the next question. What musical instrument does a composer have in mind when he writes a piano concerto? Yeah. <laughs> when he writes a what, Mr. Howard? When he writes a piano concerto. You don't write a piano, you play it. Now, wait a minute, then. Well, whoever heard of anyone writing to a piano? Wait a minute. I say, Miss McConnell, tell me, do you have a piano? No, she just has the legs. Now, let's get on here. Well, you you know play... anything about music, Mr. McNaughton? Do I know anything about music? Rather, I knew Duncan. I knew Duncan before he had a fife. Before... Ah, uh, Mr. McNaughton. Mr. McNaughton, you're a moron. How do you spell it? I don't know. Oh, then we're both morons. We're both morons. <laughs> what musical instrument does the composer have in mind when he writes a piano concerto? That's the same question you asked us before. Well, give us time. Will you give us time? I demand a 12-day truce. Ah, uh, cut it out, please. <laughs> Good for the soul. It's also good for the heel. <laughs> oh, so you like music, too? All right, never mind. Are you a piano, Miss McConnell? No, we did have, but it was very old. Yeah? We finally used it for kindling wood. Well, at least you got a few chords out of it. You got a few chords out of it. <laughs> Mr. Sheldon, you should be ashamed of yourself. I say, you know, I used to play in an orchestra. Yeah, what instrument did you play? Well, I used to play the viola, but since I've been married, I've been playing second fiddle. That has nothing to do with the question. No, of course. What was the question? Mr. I Hart? told you, please, what musical instrument has the composer in mind when he writes a piano concerto? Mr. Hart, did you know I was a born musician? You were a born musician? Yes, when I was born, I had cliff in my chin, a cord in my neck, and drums in my ears. Now that's enough. <laughs> Well, here is the next question. What famous city is the University of Pittsburgh located in? Is that clear? I've been in Pittsburgh, Mr. Hart. Yeah, but it wasn't clear. It wasn't clear. <laughs> I passed through Pittsburgh when I went to Kansas City. Oh, you love any place where there's a man. <laughs> is that bad? All right. What famous city is the University of Pittsburgh located in? Well, Mr. Hart, tell me, is the city named after the university or was the university named after the city? Uh, Mr. McNaughton, that is irrelevant. Yeah, it's what? It's irrelevant. You know what irrelevant means? Oh, rather, yes, and irrelevant, never forgets. Irrelevant, never forgets. <laughs> Say, Mr. Hart, what is a university? It's a college or a school. Well, which is it, college or a school? Make up your mind. Mr. McConnell, if you were a man, I'd slap your face. If you were a man, I'd let you. You're letting <laughs> I remember when I went to school, my teacher used to ask me to stay after school every day. Yeah, what happened? That's none of your business. <laughs> you lead your life and I'll lead mine. Okay. You know what else on my report card? You always had two A's on your report card. That's right. One in Harry and one in McNaughton. One in Harry. <laughs> Very clever. Very clever, Mr. McNaughton. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. Say, now, I got a nephew in college. He lives in a dromedary. He lives... <laughs> he lives in a drunk... Look, a dromedary is a very odd-looking animal. Big teeth, large feet, two humps on its back. Goes for weeks without water. Yeah, my old man is a dromedary. I see. <laughs> Why, has your old man got two humps on his back? No, but he goes for weeks without water. Uh-huh. The question is, what famous city is the University of Pittsburgh located in? Oh, I don't like that question. Neither do I. Neither do I. I move that we strike it from the agenda. Yes. Wait a minute. We're not taking it off the agenda. You're not? No. Okay. 
Where you going? I'm walking out. Come on, delegate. Sit down there. <laughs> Your landlady will owe more room rent, or you'll owe more, rather. Mr. Howard, what is an agenda? <laughs> oh, Miss McConnell, don't you know what an agenda is? No. It's a passage in music, you know. It's a sort of a... Well, it goes like a... Oh, yeah, I thought you'd like it. That's not an agenda, that's a cadenza. What are you talking about? A cadenza, that's milk. Milk? What? <laughs> what do you mean, cadenza is milk? My landlady said to me this morning, run down and get me a can of cadenza milk. Ah, cut it out. <laughs> Tonight, Ray Porter's Esquires would like to present their new version of an old favorite, Clementine. In the cavern, in the canyon, excavating for a mine, dwelt a miner, 49er, and daughter, Clementine. Oh, my darling, oh, my darling, oh, my darling, Clementine, you are lost and gone forever. So sorry, Clementine, like she was, like Clementine, and like a fairy, sweet Clementine, and her shoes, shoes, shoes were number nine, herring foxes without topses, they were for Clementine, drove she ducklings to the water every morning right at night. Hit her foot, ow, wow, wow, gets a splinter, oh my, fell into the foaming brine, ruby lips above the water, blowing bubbles soft and fine, alas for me, I was no swimmer, goodbye, Clementine, oh my darling, whoa, whoa, my darling, oh my darling, darling Clementine, you are gone and lost forever. But the hero, whose name was Nero, he was watching on the shore. He swam out to save his baby. She's his forevermore. She's his darling, darling baby. She's his sweet patootie pie. She's his darling Kachkaganza. She's his me, oh me, oh mine. So the story ends in glory, here is where we draw the line, for the hero God is darling, his darling Clementine, she's got the ring and everything, let's raise our voice and sing to Clementine. Hi boys, that's Clementine all right, and very good too. Now, Ken, have we found any contestants with enough nerve to volunteer this evening? Well, here's one, Tom. He's coming to the microphone right now. He's Mr. Jimmy Lange, and here he is. Oh, thank you, Mr. Lange. Good evening, Mr. Lange, and we certainly are glad you came up. How do you feel, Mr. Lange? Fine, thank you. That's good. Do you live in New York? No, sir, I don't. Oh, you don't. Well, how do you happen to be in New York tonight? That is, what are you doing in New York? Well, I have a band, Mr. Howard, and we played in Carnegie Hall last Saturday night in the national finals of the Look Amateur Magazine Swing. Oh, the amateur bands all over the country. I believe I read something about that. Is that so? Well, that's right. How, How do you like your visit to New York? Fine, it's great. How did you come out in the contest? We were one of the winners in the society combo today. Oh, you was? Well, congratulations. I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. Where, where's your band from? Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, you're from Kansas City, Missouri. Yes, sir. Oh, that's your home, Kansas City, Missouri. Kansas City, Missouri. 
came to well steal my glasses and call me Squinty. Okay. Are you are you still working that town? All right, don't exert your tonsil. Yeah, I was a musician in a fish market. You <laughs> you were a musician in a fish market? I used to scrape the scale. I see. <laughs> <laughs> So you're, you're from Kansas City, Mr. Lynch, is that right? Yes, sir. Oh, Kansas City. Oh, my word, yes. I used to play poker out there. Yes, I used to play poker in Kansas City. Good. I shall never forget that Kansas City kitty. Right. <laughs> Are you married, Mr. Lynch? No, sir, I'm not. You're not. How long have you not been married? Oh, then that's not right. That's right. That's right. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Mr. Lange. I, I certainly am glad you came out so well in the, contest, in the contest. I hope when you go back to Kansas City, it will mean a great deal to you. Thank you and sir. we're very glad to have you with us this evening. Yeah, we sure are. What's your first name, honey? Jimmy. What? Jimmy. Jim. Oh, Jenny. Yes. Ain't that a pretty name, Jimmy? Jimmy Lange, yes. Some kid, too, ain't he? Yeah, he's a nice boy. I'll say, ha-ha. <laughs> Cement mixer. Putsy putsy. <laughs> You'd never get back to Kansas City if I had a hog tire. <laughs> well, honey, I tell you, you can just call me trolley car. I treat you fair. Uh, but your gong has been kicked around. <laughs> Jimmy, will you reach into Johnny's cap and pick out a question for us, please? And would you be good enough to read the question? Yes, sir. Uh, what was the occupation of the village blacksmith? Thank you. What was the occupation of the village blacksmith? Oh, I say, Mr. Howe, that's a literary question, isn't it? Well, in a way, yes. I love literary questions. They're so literary. All right, all right. Please, the question is, what was the occupation of the village blacksmith? What was the name of the village? Idiot. <laughs> Thank you, Miss McConnell. You know the name of the blacksmith? No, I do not. Mr. Howard, you know, you ought to brush up on these things before you start asking us the questions. Look, look. The Village Blacksmith is a poem by Longfellow. Now, what was his occupation? <laughs> a poet. That's, that's wrong. Oh, no, it isn't. He writes poems. He's a poet. Uh, Even I know that. Look, Longfellow wrote the poem, not the blacksmith. But you said Longfellow did write the Village Blacksmith. I know I did, but the Village Blacksmith didn't write Longfellow. Wait a minute. What am I talking about? <laughs> Mr. Howard, look, look, oh, boy. Longfellow is not a poet. Who said it was? Look. Longfellow wrote the village blacksmith. And he didn't answer him. And he didn't answer him. No. <laughs> well, the three of you shut up. How can we answer the question if we shut up? Yeah. Mr. Howe, would you like an aspirin? Where's he going to get the headache? Wait a minute. <laughs> Look, I'll read the first line of the poem okay, to you. Okay, so long as you don't sing it. Fine. Under the spreading chestnut tree, the village smithy stands. Why don't somebody give him a chair? He... <laughs> Just trying to find out the occupation of the village blacksmith. I have an uncle in the meatpacking business. What has that got to do with it in the meatpacking business? Yeah, he, he makes girdles. He makes girdles? Yeah. Oh, my word, he must live off the fat of the land. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> McNaughton, why don't you take a vacation and go to Death Valley for a few years? I love that. Yes. Can we please get on with the question? You know, I was offered a job the other day working for the city. Working for the city? Yep. What doing? Hostess on a patrol wagon. Hostess on a patrol wagon. Nice. They don't make patrol wagons your size. Now, let's get on there. What was the occupation of the village blacksmith? You should know that, Mr. McNaughton. You write poems. I know, old boy, but I didn't write that one. I see. 
Mr. Sheldon, yes. what does a horse have on his feet? Hoofs, you dumb cluck. Hoofs. <laughs> All right. What has he got on the bottom of the hoofs? Depends where he's been. Depends. <laughs> A horse has shoes on his feet. Now, who makes the shoes? The shoemaker. All right. All right. What do you call a shoemaker for horses? A horse's shoemaker. Uh-uh. <laughs> what is the occupation of the village blacksmith? Have any of you ever been in a small town? Rather, Mr. Howard, yes, I have a cousin who lives in a small town. Yes, he lives in Eagle Rock, Arkansas. Eagle Rock? What does he do? Rocks Eagles. Okay. <laughs> Will you step in here and give our good friend Jimmy $24.20 for helping us out? Yes, I'll do that, Mr. Howard. Here you are, Jimmy. Now, who is our next guest, Ken? A very lovely young lady is approaching the microphone now, Tom. This is Marilyn Dudley. Oh, how do you do? Good evening, Miss um, Dudley. Nice to have you. How do you feel this evening, Miss Dudley? Oh, fine, thank you. You feel all right. Mm-hmm. That's good. We're glad to have you. Have you? Is this your hometown? Where are you from? No, I'm from Roanoke, Virginia. From Roanoke, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine. Oh, very glad to have you. Roanoke, eh? Roanoke, Virginia. I can Roanoke canoe. I can. Oh, <laughs> that was a weak one. Have I ever heard one? Dreadful, yes. Uh, have you been in New York before? Don't tell him. He's the nosiest guy I ever saw. All right. How about your own nose? Forget it. Don't pay any attention to her. Have you ever been to New York before? No, this is my first visit. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. How do you like New York? Mm, I like it all right. Oh, you do? Well, that's fine. We're glad you like it. Have you seen anything interesting in New York that uh, attracted well, your attention? Oh, a lot of things. I like Times Square. You like Times Square? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, very crowded down there, isn't it? Any yeah, that's more what I like about Rowan it. Oak? Oh, yes, very much. Uh, much more crowded. Mm-hmm. I imagine it would be. Uh, are, are you uh, are you married? Yes, I am. Oh, I, is your husband with you? He's out in the audience. Oh, is he in the yeah. audience? Could we see him? Will you stand up, Mr... There. Oh, oh. <laughs> Wait a minute. Three people stood up. What is it? <laughs> that was... <laughs> Congratulations. You have a very, very nice-looking wife. I'm all, I'm tongue-tied tonight. I got a new set, and I can't do anything with it. <laughs> She's a very nice-looking young lady, Mr. Howard. Yes, she is. You know, I'm going to meet a nice young lady tonight in front of the Astor Hotel at 10 o'clock. Oh, really? Who is she? How do I know who's going to be in front of the Astor tonight? <laughs> you know, I met a beautiful girl last night. Yeah, she was the athletic type. She was an outdoor girl, you know. She was the kind of an outdoor girl you'd like to take indoors, you know. <laughs> all right. Pay no attention to him. Will you help us out, if you don't mind, uh, Miss uh, uh, Dudley, yes, and pick out a, a question for us off Johnny's hat there? And when you get one, would you be kind enough to read it, please? What food is mentioned in the title of the book, The Egg and I? Thank you. What food is mentioned in the title of the book, The Egg and I? Mr. Howard, who wrote the book? Now, look, it doesn't matter who wrote the book, but if it will help you any, Betty McDonald wrote the book. Oh, Betty McDonald, really? How is Betty? No. Why, did you, did you know her? Oh, rather, her father owned a farm. That's right. Oh, McDonald had a farm. E-I-O. 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 Why, you E-I-O. Shut up, you human female foghorn, will you? <laughs> I know, you know, you know, speaking of writing, I'm writing an opera right now. Yeah, what's the name of it? I'm writing an opera. Oxidol does an ivory. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oxidol does an ivory. Yeah, it's a soap opera. It's a soap opera. <laughs> Mr. McNaught, have you been dumb all your life? Oh, dear, no, I haven't lived all my life yet. I see. Well, I like mystery stories. 
You know, I get twice as much enjoyment out of mystery stories as anyone else. How? Well, I start to read them in the middle. You start in the middle? Yep. In that way, I not only wonder how it will end, but I wonder how it began. I often wonder how you began and why. Yeah, that's a good question. Yes, it is. The question is what food is mentioned in the book title, The Egg and I. I'll give you a hint. It's about life on a chicken farm. Oh, my Uncle Webfoot has a lot of chickens up on his farm. The other day, somebody kicked a football over in the hen house. So the rooster called all the hens together and pointing to the football said, I want you to look at this, girls, and it shows you what kind of work they're turning out next door. (laughs) (laughs) Now encourage them, folks. Well, I I love a farm. Yes? Yeah, I can do anything on a farm. Well, you certainly are good at laying eggs. (laughs) Well, I can use them with the price of eggs today. Sixty cents a dozen. Do you realize that's five cents a piece? That's too much. Oh, Miss McConnell, I don't think it's too much, you know, when you consider it's a whole day's work for a chicken. <laughs> Not to mention the added exertion. The oh, exertion, no. yeah, I can say that. There you go. My uncle is trying out an experiment up on his farm with vegetables. Yes? Yeah, he's crossing a bata- potato with a radish. He's crossing a potato with a radish? Yeah. My word, what does he expect to get? Potatoes with bloodshot eyes. <laughs> ah, <hey. Yes. laughs> Step in here and give our charming guest from Roanoke $26.45. I'll be happy to, Mr. Howard. You know, Ken, I think a little music would come in mighty handy right now. Well, Tom, Harry Salter is willing and waiting. Tonight he has a very nice arrangement of Blue Sky. Good. Tom, a very lovely young lady is coming to the microphone now. She is Miss Martha Savage. Oh, fine, fine. Yeah, good evening, Miss Savage. We're glad to have you with us. How are you this afternoon? Fine, thank you. Well, that's good. Glad to hear that. 
Uh, have you ever been on a radio program before? No, I haven't. Oh, you haven't. Are you nervous? Just a little. I see. Would you like to hold my hand? All right, all right. Never mind. <laughs> Mr. McNaughton, you're not supposed to talk to the contestants unless you're introduced. Oh, is that so, Mr. Howard? What's Van Johnson got that I haven't got, and where did he get it? And if I had it, what would I do with it? <laughs> Pay no attention to him, Miss Savage. He has just cut his wisdom, too. Where, where are you from, Miss Savage? Kansas City, Missouri. Kansas City, too? That's the... Uh, Kansas City, Missouri! Well, that's one town I never was. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> what are you doing in New York? Well, I, I'm the vocalist for Jimmy's band. Oh, the young man we just had. That's well, right. you both were picked together. Isn't that a coincidence? Well, we certainly are glad to have you with us. Thank you. You were the vocalist for the band. That's right. That's it. That is, uh, being a vocalist, I guess that means you sing. Yes. I, I don't know that. This is an ignorant program. We've got to be sure of those things. <laughs> I don't want to impose on your good nature, Miss Savage, but would you just uh, sing a chorus for us? We'd like to hear how the people in Kansas City sing. Would you mind that? I'd love to. Yeah. Thank you. What, what, what would you sing? I'd like to sing Embraceable You. Uh, what key? Any B-flat? Well, I think he can play that. I don't know. Embrace me, my sweet embraceable you. Embrace me, my irreplaceable you. Just one look at you, my heart grows tipsy in me. You and you alone brings out the gypsy in me. I love all the many charms about you. Above all, I want my arms about you. Don't be a naughty papa. Come to baby, come to baby, do. My sweet embraceable you. Well, that's fine. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I certainly do wish I had a band because you would be in for a job as vocalist. Well, I think we'll have to sacrifice the next question, but we're very glad to have had you with us. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask our friend, uh, Mr. Roberts here, to just give you $25.80 for that chorus. And I think it was worth more. And we hope you have a good time when you get back to Kansas City. Thank you very much. For the record, that's all. Be with us again next week and hear it proven again by Tom Howard, Lulu McConnell... George Shelton and Harry McNaughton, that it pays to be ignorant. It pays to be ignorant, to be dumb, to be dense, to be ignorant. It pays to be ignorant as can be. It's best not to know too much. Be a dope, your IQ shouldn't show too much. Your brain shouldn't grow too much. Wait and see. I took my girl to dinner, we had a wonderful tea. 
they had to give my girls a check because I couldn't read. This is the Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. It pays to be ignorant as can be. I was just a school kid, I wasn't awfully bright. I had a pretty teacher who made me stay in each night. So you see, it pays to be ignorant. Have no brain, be an name, just be ignorant. It pays to be ignorant just like me. To be ignorant just like he. It pays to be ignorant just like me.